this morning again. Uh, we are of the ones who persevere and don't withdraw. Uh, by God's grace, he will see us through, and on that day we will see him as he really is. The Bible says of those who withdraw themselves, they were with us, but they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they wouldn't have withdrawn themselves. If you see someone uh, forsaking the Lord uh, with all sorts of reasons, I've been the, in the church, I'm disappointed, he's full of hypocrites, and this and that, they go and they become to behave more than even pagan. They were never saved in the first place. In the first place, sorry. That's my French influence. Uh, so, people do that. They go back in the world and they say, oh, they've lost their salvation. They were never saved in the first place. As simple as that. Because the Holy Spirit who abides in us is an eternal spirit. The eternal spirit cannot come to us and then not become eternal again. I suggest this morning that we examine ourselves to make sure that we are indeed saved and that the newness of life be manifest in our lives. Why do we come to the church? What's the motivation and the motives? To accompany parents? To please our spouse? Because uh, it's a nice thing to do. Because uh, we love the singing. Because Jesus is a good moral teacher. Why do we come to the church? In Acts chapter 2 it says, Those who received the word gladly were together. So those are the people who received the word of God gladly. And the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. The church is made up with those who are saved the true church, the body of Christ. Not the words, not the numbers. Just because we are sitting here doesn't necessarily mean that we are saved. God knows those who are his. And he's put a seal on it. And the seal is the Holy Spirit. The reason why I feel myself pressed, led, forced to talk about these things is because I've come to realize that we have completely forsaken the real vehicle of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Has been forsaken? We just feel good about ourselves? It doesn't matter. We no longer pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're just satisfied with the little knowledge we have here and there, and argument, and nobody cares anymore about the Holy Spirit. Yet the Lord said, tarry in Jerusalem until the fulfillment of the Father, until you are endowed, filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will be my witnesses. Well, I've heard uh, someone saying, a pastor saying to his congregation, do whatever you can. You know, it doesn't do any good. No, do whatever you can in the church, whatever you can. No, it's about being called to do something. It's not about me feeling good of doing whatever I can. Therefore, there is a need 
to cling on to the Lord and to pray for him to show you and the church which role, where he has placed you. If we are living stones in a building, every stone has its place. Otherwise, it distorts the whole uh, construction and building. Uh, we may not realize, but it's a problem. It is a big problem. I'm telling you, it's a big problem. Everyone is in his corner with a little bit of knowledge. Everybody's doing his own thing. Everybody's he, he's relying on his past experience and victory. Nobody wants to move forward. Nobody wants to be inspired to learn. We need to be teachable. That's the reason why God gave ministries. We're not sending here every Sunday for fun. No. It's for your equipping. If you think it means nothing, you know everything, then you are accountable before God yourself. We're giving you what God is giving us to give you. Well, we ourselves are under authority as well. But these things we give you here is for your... Gr- I was saying the other day, when we were in primary school, we learned that 1 minus 2 is impossible. Because you cannot take out two bananas where there is only one. As we grew a little bit more, we learned something called negative numbers. And then we grow a little bit further, we learned that there is no... Uh, negative square root it doesn't exist square root of minus two it doesn't exist we grow a little bit more with oh there's something called complex number you know that little i i square equals minus one oh so you can do square root of minus one so is the Christian life you started somewhere you learned you moving with God and God wants to teach you things according to the age you've reached now. If you're still looking back, oh no, this is what I learned 20 years ago, this is how I've been doing it, you won't grow. Call to me and I will answer you, show you great and mighty things you don't know. We don't know everything. We learn every day. We knelt down with the children yesterday to pray. The theme was, show us what we don't know. We need wisdom. We need God wisdom in decision making, in our Christian life, in practical life. We need God wisdom. We need to know the revelation of his word. Call to me and I will answer you, show you great and mighty things you don't know. Don't be there going around with a bit of intellectual bookish knowledge and deceiving yourself. Rise up and move on and God will teach you, will fill you with his Holy Spirit. This is high time. Do you remember what happened in Ephesus? Where there was this big, magnificent temple of Artemis? The great Diana? When they come, the apostles pray for them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spread the gospel. And many people who had practiced magics came with books and threw it at the feet of the apostles. And those books were burned. 50,000 pounds of that time in today's value. Millions. People who had practiced magic, they came with those books, they threw them and they were burned before everybody. That's the church. That's the church. 
If you're entertaining yoga books and meditation and, and then a bit of Christ to make yourself go, feel good, etc., why are you in the wrong? Those things need to be burned, otherwise there will be a snare to your life. A snare to your life. They will trap you. A bit of witchcraft and sorcery and then a bit of Christ. I remember there was one man who said his wife was a Christian. He wasn't. He said, oh, my wife prays every day so that God will keep us spiritually. But as for our physical body, we need a bit of witchcraft. Friends, we won't stand without the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm impressed myself on my heart to insist on that point is because I've seen people going astray. I've seen the church not moving forward, not this church, the body of Christ, because of the complexity of human reasoning. Who cares? Yet the Lord says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will guide you in all truth. And will take which that is from Christ and remind you and tell you of things to come? Why am I making this kind of introduction when I'm talking about the vanity of the fleeting confidence? Because I think I will be talking today about part five, the fullness of the time. But I feel that I cannot progress until we can show and be convinced and convicted of the need for the Holy Spirit who alone can maintain us to the end. Remember in Revelation 22? The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Is the Spirit and the church that await Jesus Christ. You can't side the Holy Spirit because of your academic knowledge, dry, empty, deceitful. For knowledge puffs up. Love edifies the love of the truth of Christ. We need to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's the only way we can stand. If not, trust me, you will be going round and round. No real growth. Depression. I'm talking about depression, not just depression because of uncertainty of where we stand. Someone say, I used to believe in the Bible. Now I no longer believe it. I don't know what I believe in. That's the risk I'm talking about. That's the risk. If we don't take God seriously, that's the risk. I said to the family, I observe you every morning when you go to work, when you go to, to school. I observe you carefully. I see the way you run in the kitchen, in the bathroom, you know. Quick, 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 quick. I see that. I want the same for the church. I want the same for the church. No, people are just coming whenever they want. Oh, after is God. God is good. He will, he will listen. I can come when I want. I can grab whatever clothes is there, just put on me. He's God after all. I can do. Wow, the church used to be at 10.30. Is that right? We've moved to 11 now. Should we move to 12? If we move to 12, we'll have the same problem. If we move to 6 p.m., we'll have the same problem. Good intentions are blessed by God, but in as much as you can fulfill them. We need to press on. We need to press on. From the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is announced. 
In French, he says, ce sont les violents qui s'en emparent. Everybody prays to enter in French, in English. But in French, he says, ce sont les violents qui s'en emparent. Violent people. That is being firm in your ways. In the kingdom of God. Paul said, I discipline my body. I subject, discipline it. That I will not be disqualified. There is a discipline dimension in a Christian life. Being on church in time, giving your offering, being with the brethren, coming to prayer meeting, those are the four the pillars of the church. If you don't do that, how do you expect to survive? How? All you have is the news. We spend sometimes three, three weeks without the telly on. The first time we decide to turn the, put the news and see what is Oh, two people have been killed there. In Nottingham, three people have been killed. I say, if that's what you take every day, you will be depressed. Saturate yourself with the word of God first. And then God will give you a meaning, an understanding of what is going on around you. And then you will be stable. You will be peaceful. Peace I give with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the word giveth, give unto you, says the Lord. It's not a, a fabricated quietness. It's peace. Christ is the Tsar, Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Do you have that peace? Or oh, you travel every day. Where is the peace? Where is it? Where is it on your face? Where is it in your heart? In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. Friend, we need God. I'm not despising your knowledge. You are free not to listen to me if you want. You are free. I'm not listening to him. I'm not even coming to the church. You're not coming for me. I'm coming for Jesus. Come for Jesus. When my days are over, or the Lord remove me, bring someone else, I will be happy to submit to them, and we continue. I'm not listening to him. That's not a problem. I am under authority from God. To tell you the things I'm telling you here for your good. You take all you live is your right. But I want you to know this thing, and I've preached this things before you in tears. You've seen that. Do you think I will come here 60 years old to come and play here? It's for you. I want you to be established to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in your life. That's why I'm here. I'm not clinging on to anything. Next Tuesday, God willing, I will read for you the account of how I became elder in this church and what happened in that night with Pastor John. If you come on Tuesday, I will read it for you. You will understand. We're not clinging on to anything here. We pray for a pastor. God send a pastor. I will sit there, submit, and you will see me serving them. As I used to serve tea to Pastor John every Sunday. He was younger than me by 10 or 12 years. I served him tea every Sunday. Because he was my pastor. I did not despise him. Everybody is responsible for his behavior. Amen. Let's progress. These things need to be reminded all the time. Very, very important that we're talking about the vanity of the fleeting confidence. And today is the fullness of the time. 
Now, the expression fullness of time sometimes may mean, at the, most of the time it means at the appointed time. At the appointed time. Like in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, at the fullness of the time God sent his son, born of a woman. You see, that means at the appointed time. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. The fullness of the time I'm talking about here is the consummation of the time. At the end of the, not just the appointed time, but at the end of the time. That's what we're talking about here. And you will notice, and you write if you notice that, that there will seem to be a, a sort of disconnection slightly between what I will be talking about here and the title I've given. You feel, where is the fullness of life in what Guy is talking about here? The reason for that is, it is a digression because I thought it's very important that we talk about uh, the second person of the Trinity, that's God, the Holy Spirit, very, very important as we talk about the end time. Because it is he who will keep us, who will maintain us, who will preserve us from the snare of the fowler and the deception of the enemy until he takes us to Jesus Christ. Remember, the spirit and the bride together, they call, come. So it's important that um, I do that digression and talk a little bit about the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I will present to you what you already know, just uh, the different school of thought in terms of uh, uh, the end time, that's it. But then after this, in the last part, I believe it's part six, in the last part, we will actually talk about uh, the fullness of the time. That is uh, the, the first and the second death and the, the resurrection program and the new earth and the new Jerusalem in the last part, next time, God willing. That's the plan. So, please let's start with me to... 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're reading from verse 12 to verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to verse 14. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Can you see the needs to be indwelt, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, everything we're talking about, we're talking about here, 
it's just storytelling, fairy tale. Because these things are discerned spiritually. Without the Spirit of God, we're just sitting there. After one hour, we drink tea and a biscuit, we go home, and, and that's it. These things are discerned spiritually. Therefore, it's crucial that we are filled, baptized, renewed, clothed with the Spirit of God. That's the only way we can discern spiritual things. Otherwise, we don't understand anything. We just uh, looking. What are we talking about? It's a bit annoying. That's a bit too much. That fanaticism, etc. But if the Spirit of God is in us, as these things are going out, the Bible is open by the Spirit. You're being told this meets the Holy Spirit in your life. You are edified. You say, I am continuing with Jesus Christ. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in word which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Listen to the next sentence. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. But the natural man without the spirit of God. The natural man does not receive. Let alone understand. Receive. So when this thing comes to his heart, it's closed. The heart is not open to the word of God, to the deep, to the de deep things of God. The heart is closed. The so full of philosophy and reasoning and human wisdom and it's blocking the word of God. Because the natural man does not receive. His heart is clothed. I know about that. That's not how I see things. If I'm talking about just myself here, then reject everything I'm saying. But if I'm talking from the Bible, you are responsible for what you hear this morning. Not threatening you, I just need to tell you things as they are. The people who teach you labor on your behalf, Seek the Lord for you, for your soul, for your edification. Do not despise. Receive these things and you, they will make you wise and you will grow in Christ. The natural man do not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Foolishness to him. You know, sometimes we talk of the mystery of God. We talk about this thing and people look at you and they feel, oh, maybe he doesn't have any, he's not busy enough in his life. We are more busy. Maybe he has, so, he has 32 hours per day. Do you remember that story I told you the other day? A pastor went once to see, no, a father went with his son, went to see a pastor and he said to the pastor, here is my son. He's failed in every education system. He's failed. I then decided to make him a carpenter. He failed the training. I wanted him to, I want him to learn by doing to become a mechanics. He failed again. 
I took him to the seminary for him to become a priest. He failed. I have the only option that is left. Can you make him a pastor? You see, that's the way people see the ministry. It's people who have failed everywhere. They have nothing to do. They are the outcast of the society. They know nothing. They be- Can you make him a pastor? And if such person who has failed everywhere, everywhere, succeeds to come on the pulpit, trust me, he's a disaster. He will fill you with false teaching because he needs to compensate the failures. He will start swimming into, I'm in the spirit, go and check and scrutinize, etc. And we have quite a few of those. Because that's the understanding of the service of God from people. People who are nothing and sophisticated, they fail everywhere. That's why we don't even owe them respect. Huh. No. No. I know very sound people who believed in God. I know someone called Paul, Saul of Tarsus in the Bible. Very learned man. I know someone called Daniel who really was a first-class thinker. I know someone who was a mighty general called Joshua. I know the most beautiful lady, Esther, who served God. Handsome, skillful man, David, served God. It is we who make the name of God to be blasphemed. We fill our church with young people. We don't teach them excellency. Daniel and his companion had the spirit of excellency in them. Joseph in Egypt had the spirit of excellency in him. Joshua, Caleb, excellent young people. We don't teach that. That's why our our young people are just all over the place. They're even scared to defend Christ with their peers at school because they don't read, they don't educate themselves, they don't research, they're just there. And when they push them a little bit, they flee away, they say, take it by faith. When I became a Christian, I remember very well. I think when I turned 28, I was coming out of prayer meeting in the evening, night time, it was raining. And uh, one of the elders, because in those days, we approached elders and deacons to ask them questions and to ask counseling from them. That's what we did. Uh, nowadays, people have their own gurus and avatar online, so elders and deacons means nothing. The elderly people are not approached for younger people to seek advice and counseling these days because internet is there. This is what he said to me. His name was René Sau. And he's going to be with the Lord now. I remember very well that day. I was 28, just finished university. He said to me, Guy, never forget what I'm going to tell you now. You're still young. I was 28. You're still young. Study until you can no longer study. Lay hand on every training you see. Study. Gain certificate, diploma, qualification. One day, it will be a reward to you. If you don't, one day, it will be too late. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you will not be qualified, and that will be a snare in your life. You can't turn back the clock. Do it now. I was 28 with a degree from university, and I start studying. Almost every two years, I gain a certificate or a qualification. 
except the past two years because it's been very difficult with the ministry here and the new job. I haven't gained any qualification. But I'm reading the Bible anyway. So, I'm passing on to young people the same advice. This is the time. Most of the believers you see, the grown-up, the mature, the adult, you may see them, but all the basic things in Christianity, they have done them. They have gone through them. Now they're battling at a different level. You see, when you speak to believers, things such as uh, Nikki Cruz, the switchblade and the cross, those things, they've seen all that. They know what it means. So they are things we, Christians, we know already. You know, when you say a spiritual man from watch money, the normal Christian life, they've read that, that's finished, it's past. They have that. Even if they don't remember, they have reference. When you talk about those things, they know, oh, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah, yeah, I read that, I read that. They have done that. When they were still strong, when they had that great appetite, they did those things. They watch it all, most, the, most of the popular DVDs and videos, they know them. And they continue to battle. But they are, all those things have been done already. And they continue to build and to build up and to build up. And to build. But you are young, but you haven't done those things. You want to be a scholar. You want to teach. You want ministry. The basis, basis is not there. That's dangerous. Learn before it's too late. Study as much as you can. That will help you in your life. You will stand tall when it comes to the pagan and the unbelievers challenging you. You will have that qualification in your pocket and you will have the Holy Spirit and they will not despise you. But if they look at your life, there's really nothing. And you telling them, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't even understand who the Holy Spirit is. And you will be ashamed. You won't be at peace inside. Because you haven't taken the time to organize your life when you had time to do it. The same with marriage. The same with marriage. Marriage is not easy. You get married, you really need the gift, the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit <laughs> when you get married. Sometimes it may seem easy and nice, etc., but when you get married, it's a different story. You know, that fire, you know, and it's a different story. I won't say any more about that. That's the reason why <laughs> when I was uh, thinking to get married, I went to see my spiritual father, Jean-Paul, who taught me the scripture, who taught me to speak the way I'm speaking now. I wish you hear him one day. He will say, oh, we understand where he's coming from, Jean-Paul. When he quotes scriptures, he will say, comma, semicolon, and then he continues. <laughs> Quoting scripture with punctuation. I went to see him, I say, oh, I want to get married. I want to get married. He said to me, I thought he was going to tell me, who are you looking to? And we're going to pray. He said to me, go and sleep. I said, no. I finished university. I want to get married. Go and sleep. I'm going to sleep. 
And after a month he come, he said, I meant sleep like Adam while God is preparing a wife for you. You know what? I don't know what God thinks about Adam and Eve. Because God gave Adam a perfection. A perfection. Even taken from him. A perfection. He woke up and said, Bone of my bone. After a while, he almost blamed God. Is the woman you gave me. Oh, oh scary. Scary. I had a brother, yes, a brother who had the ministry of connection in the church. So he was connecting people to get married in the church. He called that a ministry. That's really dangerous because when things start burning in a household, people will blame you for connecting. If you want to connect, connect. When the household starts burning, then they will come to you. It's you. It's you. Everybody must choose for himself. I chose for myself. That day, I was going to evangelize and giving leaflet at university. And I saw a young lady. She was doing footing, running. And I look, I say, short list. Prayerful shortlist. <laughs> I can say that she's not here. She would have been very embarrassed. But I was giving leaflet and evangelizing. I said, hmm. Nobody recommends. No connection. If I've made a mistake, I'm responsible for it. If it works, I'm responsible for it. Be aware. Beware of those things. Connection. Forget that. Oh, lot of digression. Let me finish my sermon. Now, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You know, English is a very rich language. Sometimes I prefer English over French. But sometimes French as well can have good expression. Look at the way it renders this passage. Nous employons un langage spirituel pour exprimer ce qui est spirituel. L'homme naturel est incapable. L'homme naturel est incapable. Natural man is incapable, unable, est incapable de comprendre parce que c'est spirituellement qu'on en juge. Because you discern these things spiritually. Therefore, nous employons un langage spirituel. We use a spiritual language to explain spiritual things. Can you see the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to understand these things? Otherwise, it's a waste of time. You think, oh, how come people are so excited about the word of God? I'm not. Well, do something about it. Go back to God and say, Lord, save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because if you, don't ha- you do not have the Spirit of God, you do not belong to him. As simple as that. Romans 8, verse 9. Now, let's listen to what someone else, a serious preacher, was saying. First of all, it is an absolute necessity that we are baptized. This is me saying. I will quote uh, the other preacher later on. It is an absolute necessity that we are baptized, filled, and renewed in the Spirit of God. It's not an option as Christians. 
On January the 21st in the year 1855, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, preached a sermon titled The Personality of the Holy Spirit. He was teaching from John 14, verse 16 to 17. Now, I say, this was an important teaching which I thought to do it justice in quoting part of it for our spiritual edification. Quote, A gospel without the Trinity is a pyramid built upside down, says Spurgeon. If you understand the Trinity, you will understand the heart of all the divinity, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are one. Spurgeon taught that there was an absolute necessity of being sound on the doctrine of Trinity. He said, give me the gospel with the Trinity and all the power of hell, of hell cannot prevail against it. Without the Holy Spirit, storytelling, go all over the place. Spurgeon gave the testimony of a very learned person from Cambridge who could speak in an unknown language by the Holy Spirit. He went on to say, Every Christian is a God-bearer, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the greatest quote I take from that. A man, from Spurgeon, a man or a woman is not a Christian who is not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. They may talk well, they may understand theology, they may be sound Calvinist, this is Spurgeon talking, they may be sound Calvinist, they will be finely dressed child of nature, but not the living child. They may have a profound intellect, a gigantic soul, a comprehensive mind, and a lofty imagination that they may dive into all the secret of nature and know the path which the eagle's eye never seen and go into depth where man has never been, but they will not be a Christian with all this knowledge. They will not be children of God unless they understand what it is to have the Holy Spirit living within them forever. Charles Spurgeon, priest of preacher, serious preacher. Calvinist and challenge the Cal Calvinist. It doesn't make you necessarily a child of God, clinging on to your doctrine. All the knowledge, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only criteria. Let's turn to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 12 to 13. John 1, 12 to 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, 
to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As much as I love to see all our children saved, the, first, the fact that they are born of a, a Christian, a preacher, does not make them Christian. It's not of blood. The best pastor in the world cannot decree, cannot declare from today you are a Christian. Impossible. You cannot wake up one morning and say, I have decided to become a Christian. God, write my name in the book of life. Impossible. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of man, but of God. That all the glory might be to God. Born of God. Are you born of God? Do you have his spirit? Does his spirit witness in you that you are born again? Or are you still in doubt? Maybe yes, maybe not. John Wesley calls that the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Are you at peace with God? Are you reconciled with God? Are you sure that when you close your eyes and you breathe your last, you will land in Jesus Christ's hands? Does the Holy Spirit maintain steadfastly that hope and witness inside you? Or you stand sometime, maybe I'm not quite sure. Sometimes I doubt when I, well, this is the time to be sure. Run to the Lord God Almighty and sort it out with him. I can't help. I can only tell you what I'm telling you here. Before it's too late. It's too much distraction. Too much complacency in churches. But clearly you can see visibly that in some lives Christ is not there. It's a facade. Christ is not there. Christ has his own fruit. The Holy Spirit has his own fruit and the number one fruit is the love for his truth. Romans 8, 9 But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he is not his. Politically incorrect but it's the word of God. Some may call that fanaticism, fanaticism, as Spurgeon said, but it's the word of God. Because when God saves a life, he comes to dwell in you by his spirit, and that spirit begins to lead you. You know, one day, God willing, we will explain a little bit more all these things to see how the Holy Spirit works in our life when we become Christians. Now listen. Still quoting Spurgeon. Whenever I found a man speaking by the Spirit of God, 
The spirit within me leaps. L-E-A-P-S. Tresai. Leaps. The spirit within me, spirit with lower S. That's my spirit, not the Holy Spirit. The spirit within me leaps to hear the spirit within him. Spirit with small s. That is his spirit. And we feel as though we are one. Now listen. The spirit of God in one Christian soul recognize the spirit of God in another Christian. That word, spirit. What a beautiful way of putting it. That's what it means that these things are spiritual, they are discerned spiritually. If I'm speaking by the spirit of God, you have the spirit of God, the Lord takes what I'm telling you, open up, teach you even more, remind you what is taught you privately, and then you grow because the spirit is speaking, the spirit in you who is leading you, is interpreting for you, is taking from the deposit, the stock of what is put in your life, and make it big, and you grow spiritually. That's what Spurgeon is saying. The minute the spirit speaks through someone, the spirit in you, bam! That's God speaking, straight away. If it's a spirit of error, the same spirit, boom, check. It's not a spirit of confusion. God has not left us to the enemy divide, just go. No, he said, test all things. Because he's given us his word and his spirit. We are free. Well, I keep on receiving. Yesterday I received... Um, a WhatsApp video. I don't like them, but uh, someone sent me. It looks like they've been forwarded so many times. I don't look those kind of things because I'm busy uh, looking at nicer things. And, 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 and the video was, and people are quite like a conspiracy, conspiracy, and they bombard you with it. You can be assured that one after, one out of 1,000, I won't look at it. But if you write something about what God has spoken to you, and you're sending me a nice devotional thing that points me to the Bible, I will spend time in that, I will add to it, and I will spread as well. That's what I do. And they sent me a video from America, because there is something called the Church of Satan in America, where someone was reaping a Bible. A priestess was reaping the Bible in front of everybody, and the Bible was torn into pieces there, and people were trampling on the Bible like this, and they sent that to me. I thought to myself, why are you sending me this? What do you want me to do? They're reaping the Bible. What, do you want? What, what am I going to do with that additional information? I don't need it. Yet there are people, that's all they do. Conspiracy. Con they are champions in that. They can no longer deal with their own fellowship with God. All they do is conspiracy. The government has done this. In America, they've done that all their life. I look at that, the first, second, I delete it. I'm not going to forward. I'm not going to contribute to making it viral. I don't need it. But I forward good things. Good things. Because I don't need that. What does it add to me to know that, uh, you know, People have spent all the night at Stonehenge. Stonehenge. What does that do to me? They've been invoking, you know, the Balim and the Baal at the Stonehenge. What does that add to me? Nothing. But some people think it's their ministry to do that. They call that discernment. It will depress you if you continue. 
Now, remember what I told you the other day? In the CIA in America, it was said that uh, the specialist of the dollar's notes, when they teach them, because there are so many counterfeit dollars, and uh, they teach them to know the real, the genuine dollars. In that, even if they sleep, if they give them a dollar note like this, they will know this is one, this is five, this is ten, this is twenty, this is fifty, this is one hundred. They will know just by touching. So the training was about knowing the dollar so well that they are able, even in their sleep, to say, this is the real one, this is fake. That's it. Because they can't study all the fake dollars. There are so many of them. Yet Christians waste all their time in what they call uh, discernment ministries. You know, I want to know this, I want to know. And in the process, they miss the genuine one. The knowledge for the real one is so small, but they know everything about the devil. I also told you the story of my uncle who was a specialist in coffee. He once went to South Korea, and the training consisted in what? They had to be able to drink a coffee and be able to explain the process. Because there are different torrefaction, different machines, different process. And the process of making that particular coffee, even if you're talking about the same product, raw material, but the process will make them different. That's why the chips at McDonald's is different. However, you want to imitate it, you won't work because of the process. That's why Coca-Cola is so special, because of the process. That's why Costa Coffee is special, because of the process. So by drinking the coffee, they will be able to say, oh, this is the machine that was used. So the source of inspiration is very important. So is the word of God. If someone is talking and you have the spirit of God, there need to be a check in your spirit. The spirit of God. Even if someone boasts I'm giving a revelation, the spirit of God is able to tell you that is not from God. It goes beyond the revelation. It touched the source of inspiration. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And that's why God says, test all things. Because he knows that is possible. With the Holy Spirit who will guide us in all truth. And we have the Bible. It's possible to test everything. Hence the necessity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I will pray the Father say Jesus Christ. And he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He was talking to the disciples at that time, but now we, this day, 21st century, he dwells in us. And we know him and we're freely talking about him he speaks to us, he rebukes us, he teaches us the things of Jesus Christ, he gives us revelation from the Bible, supernatural, he gives us spiritual gift, we speak in tongue, we have discernment, we have gift, that's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Jesus promised. 
but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's what we're doing this morning. We're not coming with bookish knowledge, bookish knowledge or cunningly devised fable. We're reminding you the things Jesus Christ says to his disciples that we may grow in him. John 16, 8. And when he has come, listen, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You can't convince the world with your own morality. You have to preach the word of God to show God's righteousness. And when men compare their own self-righteousness with the righteousness of God, they feel angry because they are exposed. Because you're speaking by the Holy Spirit, demonstrating the righteousness of God, they fall down, they despise, they hate God because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. We come to Christ because the Bible has been taught by the power of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us, he convinced us, and we capitulate and we bow down before God and we surrender to his majesty. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment to come. The judgment is coming. The judgment is coming. The judgment is coming. The Holy Spirit maintains light, the news that the judgment is coming. Humanly speaking, who wants to see the judgment coming? Even in ch the church itself, that idea is being pushed aside. But the Holy Spirit wants to maintain that when we preach the gospel, we remind people that the judgment is coming. But that is what he does with regard to the world. Then in John 16, verse 13, however, notice the contrast, however, when he, the Holy the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. That's to us. He's not there to frighten us. No. He's there to gently guide us in all truth. That's number one. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Listen, and he will tell you things to come. That's the reason why I put this digression in this topic before next time we can come back to the fullness of time. He will tell you things to come. The fullness of the time, the consummation of everything, the new earth and the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, hell, all those things to come, the Holy Spirit is able to explain them easily to us. People get very intimidated themselves. They say, oh, you're not qualified to talk about those things. Those things are too complicated. Not for the Holy Spirit. No. They're not complicated for the Holy Spirit. You can talk about them easily. If you want to be trapped yourself in those big concepts, that's your own problem. If you want to listen to the Holy Spirit who will make you wise and prepare you to see Jesus Christ on that day, then bow down before him, confess his name, confess his truth, cling on to him until we see him on that day. Two or three minutes left. I suggest that we've been sitting for some time.
we close the service by confessing and singing, um, seeing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing that from your heart. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing a shout of victory.